This is the second of a multi-part series on living a focused life. And last week we looked at the word of God as revealed through the Bible. We touched briefly on some of the issues that come with our attempt to interpret and understand it. And we concluded that we have a better opportunity to understand the message of scripture. I'm sorry. That we touched briefly on some of the issues that come with our attempt to interpret and understand it. And we concluded that to have a better opportunity to understand the message of scripture, we must devote intentional effort to reading a little further, to study a little more and reflect on it a little deeper. We read a little further as we read before and after our favorite verses so we can get the proper context of what's going on, who it's written to, and why. We study a little more to help understand any emphasis that the author may have intended and to try to determine his motive in writing the words. And we reflect a little deeper by prayerfully considering that these words reveal about the character of God, what they mean to us, and what we are to be are being led to do with these words. And we should ask ourselves how we are changed by what we have read. And are we feeling called to a specific action? And if we are to live a focused life that is based on the guidance, instructions, and even the warnings of God, we certainly must recognize the Bible as an authoritative revelation of truth about God and who he is. As Christians, we want to worship our creator with as much understanding as possible about who he is. And this morning, we're talking about the spirit. By that, we mean the Holy Spirit, the seemingly mysterious part of the Trinity. We know from Galatians 5, to 23, that the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So think about this for a moment. What a fruit is. It's the natural product of a healthy plant. Whatever that plant is, there is no effort required, no deliberate effort to make an orange or an apple. It is the unavoidable and undeniable result of a healthy plant that is alive and flourishing. It not only provides nourishment for those who consume it, but also provides the source of genetic material to duplicate itself. The seeds, everything that is needed to make the next plant of that type is contained within that fruit. So consider that. The Holy Spirit produces within us these fruits of love and joy and peace and, and forbearance, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control out of our healthy soul, our vibrant, healthy soul. These not only nourish us, but those around us and they have the ability to duplicate themselves exponentially. Do you want to disarm a tense situation or restore a broken relationship? Apply a little bit of this a spiritual fruit, right? Of love, of patience, of kindness, of self-control. We also talk about the works of the Spirit, which is to exalt Christ in our hearts. God the Father gave us the Son. Jesus gave his life for us. And the Spirit gives us life and faith in Christ. God's words to the prophet Ezekiel found in 37, 14 say, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. The slide on the screen. (laughs) 
I did that on purpose. That's to get her back for not telling me when we were done with that last verse of the hymn. <laughs> but the slide on the screen uses some, some of the words that the Bible uses, these words and images and descriptors of the Holy Spirit. All right, we're, we're going to take a look at some of these this morning and, and see if we can understand the, the special manifestation of God through the Spirit. The image of a dove is found in Scripture and commonly uses a symbol of the Holy Spirit in churches. In fact, you know, we were planted by three denominations, one of which is, is the Presbyterian Church, and they use the dove and their symbol there with the open Bible. A lot of churches use it as a symbol of peace, right? And we know that the, the, the dove with the olive branch also uh, is a part of this covenant that, that God made with Noah and likewise to us as, as the flood recited. But Matthew 3.16 captures the moment that Jesus Christ was baptized in the Jordan River. It says as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and it alighted on him. The accounts of Mark 1.10, Luke 3.22, and John 1.32 all give similar testimony and describe the Spirit as a dove. Now, if you're a, a a visual person, maybe that brings you peace to have this beautiful, white, pure dove as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. But the scripture of the Holy Spirit is a comforter or helper is much more widely used and most often by Jesus himself. In fact, the gospel of John uses this a lot. John 14, 15 through 18, Jesus' own words. It says, if you love me, obey me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Other translations use the word helper. And he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him, for it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But you do. For he lives with you now, and someday shall be in you. No, I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. Jesus' promise. And this is in the context of the Last Supper. He's in the upper room and he's revealing some things and he's providing comfort to his disciples. He's saying, I will soon be leaving you. Where I'm going, you cannot come, at least not yet, but I go to make a place for you. And they're all struggling with this. They're not really understanding what this means and they're troubled. He's saying, but it's okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a comforter or helper, right? And the Gospel of John is rich with Jesus' promises regarding the Holy Spirit, like John 14, 26. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Right? It was going to dwell within them, and it was going to be his living reminder of what they've been taught and seen and heard. And later in John 16, 7 through 8, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For I, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Jesus needed to go away so that the other helper could come and remain. But how does the Holy Spirit act as a helper? Does it answer our prayers? Does it align all the pieces of the world around you that you, you know, they're just out there. And, you, and does it do this in this beautiful package that gives you this ordained pathway to follow? No, that's what God the Father does. 
The truth is that every believer desires to have a closer relationship or we call it a communion with the Lord. And this is what the, the, the Lord desires to have with you as well. See, we all live as sinners in a sinful and busy world. So much of our interest and time is consumed by this world, right? We pursue the things of the world. We, we interact with the world. And this is not an excuse. It is a fact about our failings. We know about this fallen world, and yet as believers, we know that we must keep a heavenward focus in our life, right? That is the hope we have of what comes next and what life should be. A kingdom mindset, we call it, about things that are eternal. And to do this was me keep praying and drawing near to God over and over, not just often, but continually praying and trying to draw ourselves near to God. Scriptures instructs us to do this without ceasing. And prayer is something that, that we wrestle with as believers, right? We, we want to be good at, we want to be better. Are we praying the right way? Are we praying enough? Paul's letter to Romans 8, 26 to 27 tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Do you notice that Paul did not tell us that the Spirit helps us to pray, but rather that the Spirit itself makes intercession or prayer for us. He prays in our place so that where our prayers are deficient because of the struggles we have in prayer, the Spirit fills in for us. The Holy Spirit helps by searching your heart, knowing what is in the mind of God and making intercession for you according to the will of God, right? He knows what your struggles are. He's there, but he also knows what God's plan is and he, he works us together. This intercession, what is it? Very simply, it is to pray to God on behalf of someone else. We've done that this morning. It is what we do because we're asked to do it and it is, it is what we do Instinctually, because we believe in the power of prayer and understand that it's how we should love and, compassion, and have compassion to those around us. Intercessory prayer should be a part of every believer's own prayer life, not just praying for ourselves, but for others. Lord, help those in need, help the afflicted. We should be praying for one another as Christians, and I would add that we should be praying for another as children of God, not just because they're Christians, but even more so those who don't identify or understand what that means. Even if the people we're praying for may not necessarily consider themselves to be children of God. And we should be praying for the church. Now, I don't mean just Golden Beach Community Church, but I mean praying for the global body of believers. This, this organization, I hate to give it such a sterile term, but this group of people that we are all united in pursuit of God's will in the world to be disciples of, of Jesus and to make more disciples as he instructed us to be. We need to be praying for our efforts as a collective body of believers and for the people of God all over the world. It is a great comfort and help to know that others are praying for you in your troubles. And yet there's something quite inadequate about when other prays, others pray for us, right? And they might say, I will pray for you. And we say, thank you, yes. But you really don't understand what I'm growing through or what my need is. 
And that may or may not be true. And, and that's why there's power in our testimony. There's power in our humility to say, I, I know what you've been through. I've, I've had this loss. I've had this struggle. And it, it's very humbling for me to say that. But I can pray for you because I've been there or, or things like that. But, but sometimes, you know, our best intention when we say, well, I'll pray for you. It, like sometimes it doesn't feel like full because we, they may not think that they truly understand what it is we're dealing with. And it's in that situation that this Holy Spirit as comforter serves as our heavenly intercessor. First, we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, right? We do. And he knows all things, and he who himself went through all the pains and sufferings of, of a human in this world. And he rules over all things for our good. And we know that he's at God's right hand, interceding on our behalf, saying, I know this person. I know they've, they've come to me, and they've accepted me. I know them. And he's at God's right hand doing that for us. And added to Jesus' intercession in heaven for us, Scripture also tells us that we have the Holy Spirit at work. You have two divine intercessors on your part, two advocates, two advocates. One of them is in heaven at God's right hand, and the other is very, very close to you. The spirit who knows and dwells within you, the comforter sent from God at Jesus' request, who lives in your hearts because you let it. God sees your life from your level because he is with you in it. He knows your heart. He knows your struggles and he knows your mind deeply, intimately. And he helps lessen your weakness by praying for you. The role of the Holy Spirit as helper and intercessor is to come alongside you and your great burdens that you cannot carry alone. It takes the burden on itself and makes it its own. And here's the awesome part. Brings them to God in prayer on your behalf. It takes our burdens, our longings, our needs and brings them into alignment with the will of God and prays the perfect prayer to God on our behalf. Essentially, the Holy Spirit of God comes into our hearts and pulls us heavenward from within us. You see, it has the benefit of knowing God because it is God. You know, this week, Sherry had a, a, a rug delivered for our, for our house and, and I didn't want to unwrap it. But I'm looking at this rug through the plastic wrap, and I'm, of course, looking at the back, the knot inside, and I'm like, that's not a pretty orange or blue, you know? We're trying to match colors to this, right? But I didn't have the whole picture of this thing because I saw from the bottom side of what was, what was done and made and put together, and as we got down here, we unrolled this thing, and I'm like, that's eh, it's pretty. It's pretty. And that's why I don't get to pick things. I just... <laughs> But it's true, right? We don't get the full picture from where we're at, but the Holy Spirit, it's, it's down here with us and it sees the knot of the ugliness in our perspective, but also knows what the other side of that is from God's perspective. And it works this into its divine prayer. It calls this moanings and, and groanings, right? It's not a complaint kind of groan. It's just this quietness. So as a result, we have this double intercession. Christ in heaven, who has earned the blessings of God for us and the spirit in our hearts, who knows us intimately, who is aware of exactly what we need and knows the purposes of God in our life. That's power. And the good news of this is that all of our prayers are brought perfectly into the presence of God. This is a part of the Spirit's work that we, we might easily overlook because the Spirit does, not, does this work very quietly. You'll see up there the, 
The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, and maybe you're familiar with this one as well. And it's one of its roles is to guide believers into all truth. John 15, 26 records Jesus' statement. It says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Now that is the truth of the good news. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth because our connection with him is what enables us to obey the command given to Timothy found in 1 Timothy 2.15. It reads this way. It says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, right? We pray for the Spirit to reveal to us the truth of what it is we read as we interpret in our human minds what it is God wants us to understand about his word. We talked about that extensively last week. And we know that we are not supposed to lean on our own understanding, but to trust in God, right? That's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Don't lean on your understanding, but, but trust in God, And we're not expected to figure out everything out on our own. In fact, God wants us to need him. And said the helper will guide us. We will experience his guidance minute by minute as he applies God's word to our hearts and to our lives as we let him and as we listen to him. We're not on this mysterious, on on our own, this unending search for truth, whatever that may be. Rather, God promises that we will be guided into all truth by the Spirit. Jesus himself promised, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, 32. You will know the truth. It'll be revealed to you. You have no doubt what truth is. And you'll be set free. Free from fear of what comes next. Fear of judgment from God. Right? Fear of death itself. These are the things you're free from. Free from the yoke of sin and slavery to it. And as Jesus prayed for us, he said, Father, sanctify them in the truth, right? Cleanse us with the truth. He says, your word is the truth. That's John 17, 17. You're gonna hear a lot from John. The gospel of John is just loaded with good stuff. And and through speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That's Paul's letter to Ephesians 4, 15. Speaking truth. That same truth, but in love. You know, that's something that we are called to do as a church, is to hold ourselves to this truth and know what it is and to speak this truth in love, even when those conversations may not be fun or comfortable. We do this for each other. It's, it's accountability. It's love. And the Holy Spirit is called many things in the Bible, but his identity as a spirit of truth is, is highlighted in the book of John, as I shared. And we can thank God that we will be guided in the truth as we learn to keep in step with the spirit, as Paul describes in his letters to Galatians. And we pray, as the psalmist did in, in 25.5, to lead us in his truth and, and to teach us because he is the God of our salvation. Looking through the, the words on the screen is dove, comforter, helper, intercessor, paraclete, which is a word which means to intercede, presence of God, spirit, spirit of God, spirit of truth. These are all wonderful descriptors. And as we look at this word, counselor, advocate, or helper, who is sent by Christ to be with the church, the spirit performs his own distinctive work in redemption, right? He enlightens, he transforms, he guides, he sanctifies us as followers of Christ. 
The Holy Spirit is God himself speaking and working, although he is not himself the word or the face of God. Acts 1.8, Bonnie read it earlier, but you shall receive power when my Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witness, shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's coming and you will have that power. It is through the Spirit that we see the face of Christ. And in the face of Christ, we see the face of the Father. The Holy Spirit does not exhibit itself or focus attention upon itself, right? It's quiet. It's, it's spiritual. It's, it's mysterious. But its mission is from the Father to declare the Son as our Savior and to focus attention on the Son, It is through the speaking of the Spirit that the Word of God incarnate in Christ is communicated to us in words that are spirit and life and not the flesh or of the world. A commentary describes the Holy Spirit as the presence of God this way. It says, in saving us, the Holy Spirit cannot be something outside of God himself. The Spirit must be the divinity himself, God, of the same essence or being of God working in the church and transforming human creaturely beings into the image of Christ, who is life himself. In order for us to participate in the eternal life that alone belongs to God, it is necessary that the Holy Spirit, who transforms our minds and hearts from within, must be divine and true God of true God. And that is from the Nicene Creed. To be in the Spirit is to be in God. And for the Spirit is not external but internal to the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, three in one. God the Father sent Jesus Christ to reconcile us to himself by the forgiveness of sin. Jesus, as Son of Man and Son of God, overcame every enemy of God, including sin and including death, on our behalf. In the person of the Holy Spirit whom Jesus sent, we are transformed and united to God. And we partake of the eternal life that is God's alone to give us. To conclude with 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, or where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I conclude, I want to ask this. How do you need to hear or view or more importantly receive the Holy Spirit today? With the peace of the image of the tangible dove with the condolence that comes from the comforter who knows and understands you with the determination that comes from the helper that will come alongside you and get you through it with the confidence that comes from knowing that you've got an intercessor an advocate a God with God on your behalf that knows both you and him with the strength that comes from the presence of God or perhaps with confidence that comes from the spirit of truth. Friends, you do not have to choose. God graciously offers you all that you need all the time. You simply need to choose to receive the gift. And I want to take the last few minutes to reflect on this as we listen to the song. It's called Fall Afresh by Christian artist Carrie Job. And much like the song we began with the worship this morning, it's an invitational song. But this song invites the Holy Spirit to come and meet us here and to change us as the words say, fall afresh on us. We began the service with the, with the song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And that is us saying, 
Holy Spirit, come into this place. Not that it wasn't going to anyway, but we're saying we welcome you. We invite you, we accept you. And this song is a little different. It's saying we're, we welcome you into us. Come be in us and change us. So let's open our hearts and listen, and then I'll close us with prayer.
I can't think of a better way to end a service than to make that our prayer. You know, music, maybe it doesn't do this for everybody, but music speaks to me. And so when I hear a song with those kind of lyrics and know that there's a story behind it and then we can take those lyrics and make them our own as we invite the Spirit to come into our lives and it says to make us undone. What does that mean? Sometimes we have to get out of the way, right? We have to undo ourselves. Sometimes we almost literally have to break to be built back stronger the way God wants us. Will you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. A good, good father, a fair judge, a creator of everything, again, that not only is good, but designed to be good. And we thank you for that. This day in particular, and, and hopefully every day in between, we're keenly aware of, of the value and, and special job that you have given mothers in this world. Those who have biological children, stepchildren, in-laws, uh, those who, who are motherly role models to others around them. We thank you for that. We thank you for the way you modeled relationships through the individuals written and recorded their lives in the Bible. Most importantly, your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we look at this different way, an additional way to focus our lives on the Spirit and realizing that focusing our lives on the Holy Spirit means to make room to accept and let the Spirit into our lives and let it do its work. Father, this is another one of those ways that we are called to surrender. So Lord, as we surrender ourselves now in this moment of prayer, we ask you into our hearts and into our lives to intercede on our behalf, to soften our hearts where it's needed, to strengthen it with the Spirit of truth, to give us confidence through your presence. Lord, to be our helper, our advocate, and our guide in all that we do. We thank you for your son. We're sorry that we sent him to the cross, but we are thankful that he sent a helper to come and continue to work in our lives so that we may continue to his mission in the world today. It's in his son's name, we, in your son's name that we pray, amen.